Thank you for tuning in for the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, with a private practice where I specialize in maternal mental health as well as women. With the podcast, we'll be talking all things womanhood, motherhood, and a few things sprinkled in in between. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. And don't they let me when I fall, All right, thank you everybody for joining us for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. And I am delightfully joined by Amber Erin Mosley. Um, just to give her an introduction, she is an international wardrobe stylist, style consultant, journalist. Um, she is LA-based, so she is on the West Coast. Um, she has earned her master's in luxury goods and services for International University of Monaco, and she left corporate America to pursue being um, a business owner. On top of that, she is a mother. She looks fabulous. She's on Instagram. I've been following her for some time now. I shot my shot. I reached out to her, asked her if she would be a guest on the show, and she delightfully uh, obliged. And welcome, Amber. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's always an honor to, you know, to have anybody reach out and, you know, be interested in sharing my story and sharing my journey. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. So um, just to get into the motherhood piece of it, you have two little ones? Two little. Yes, I have a, my son just turned seven last week and our daughter will be three on the 30th of this oh. month. So we have March babies and our hands full. Okay, cool. <laughs> so having your son, um, having been the first, um, was he a planned pregnancy, unexpected, not planned, not prevented? What was it like? back then uh, not prevented and also not uh planned or <laughs> expected and so, <laughs> he was definitely um a surprise and we you know the interesting thing is that my husband and i met in college we met at hampton university mm. um back in 2002 mm -hmm. we did not date in college but um, we shared things with each other in terms of, you know, what we wanted for the future. We talked about children and things like that. We did not, you know, imagine that we would end up together and that, you know, our son would be the child that I, we obviously spoke of um, mm. all the way back in college. And Maxwell is just more than we could have ever dreamed of. Mm. But um he was our he was our surprise baby for sure um in the midst of early entrepreneurship mm. and you know a moment where we just were not expecting to introduce a child into the mix but he's been the the fire underneath uh, us so and i love that name maxwell that's beautiful <laughs> he, you know, he lives up to it too he gives <laughs> us the absolute max we say it all the time. So you have to be mindful of, you know, what you name your children because my goodness, he's <laughs> he's giving us the max. So we, we're trying to hang on. We love it. Okay. So being that it wasn't um, a planned pregnancy, you guys had uh -huh. your own agenda, but of course having to pivot. Um, how was the pregnancy for you and how did you kind of process your new reality? 
I, you know, I feel like I was in, even though finances and things as an entrepreneur in Los Angeles, um, even though that aspect of it was very challenging, I was still very blessed um, to spend my pregnancy at home Mm. um, as an entrepreneur. So I, you know, wasn't commuting to work. Um, having to get in the car and, you know, drive across Los Angeles um, in any capacity. So I was able to um, have a lot of rest and have it uh, not be stressful in the regard of, you know, having to be at a job and my body changing and my moods changing. I got to do it um, all in the comfort of my home, which I realized then and now um, was a privilege. Mm. Um, and so it's not something that even though the, the times then were, were challenging for us, I never, ever take for granted the opportunity that I got to spend, you know, peacefully uh, in my home. And so I'm, I'm super thankful for that. That's awesome. Okay. And how was labory, labor and delivery with Maxwell? I had what I guess my doctors called like a textbook pregnancy. Hmm. Um, he, I'm every, it was, everything was beautiful. I wanted, um, you know, water birth. I wanted an at-home delivery. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, at that point in our careers, um, finances didn't allow for those things to happen because, um, insurance doesn't cover those things. Um, and so, you know, I had to, wrap my mind around pivoting. I'm I'm a Taurus. I'm very stubborn. I'm very grounded and fixed in my when ways. Is your birthday? So is your birthday it was in a April? Is your May birthday? 1st. Oh, it's May 1st. Oh, May 1st. May 1st. Okay, cool. <laughs> yes. Um, and so that was a challenge for me. Um, we ended up delivering him at um, Cedar Sinai. Mm. Um, I went into labor just two weeks before my due date. Um, so there weren't any concerns or complications there, but I had made a point, you know, I had done my research. I had, um, looked at the women in my family and what they were capable of doing when they brought children into the world, Mm. which was, um, unmedicated. And so I thought, you know, if my grandmother could do it five times and my mom could do it, then I could do it Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I trusted my body. I had a wonderful team at um, at Cedars, and I also had an impromptu doula. Mm, um, impromptu. Uh, <laughs> impromptu. She's a she. We went to college with her. Um, a lot of people, uh, or some people, may know her on Instagram. She's Ashley Wright, Miss Miss mm. Wright's way. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to college with her actually. So she's a friend of ours and she asked if she could come to the hospital, um, you know, just to support. And we're like, sure. Mm -hmm. And she ended up in the delivery room. Um, she was with me throughout the, the, the labor, um, at the hospital. I stayed at home, uh, for a long time before I went to the hospital and um, finally, my doctor called me and said, she kind of scared me a little bit. She said, well, do you want, you, you told me that you're, you went into labor, you know, hours ago. And they told me you haven't checked into the hospital yet. 
do you want to have this baby at home? Like, you know, you could end up having this child on the way to the hospital or having to end up calling ambulance. Like, can you please get to the hospital? <laughs> so um, we went, um, uh, our friend ended up showing up. She held a lot of space for oh, me. Nice. I was back and forth between like the shower and the bathtub and, um, you know, the, the bed. And so it was a wonderful experience. Mm. He took a long time um, to get here. They had to break my water. Mm. Um, uh, but it wasn't anything that was alarming. It was by the time they broke my water, I was very tired. It mm. was time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I told them at one point, like, hey, I just, I just let me go home. I can come back tomorrow and finish. <laughs> <laughs> and so they got things rolling for me. Um, and he ended up, I think maybe I pushed for just a few minutes oh, nice. and he arrived. So it was smooth. It was, it was a smooth labor and delivery, um, no complaints and mm-hmm. he was healthy. So oh, it was beautiful. That's good. And since you brought that up, um, about you thinking about your grandmother and your mother and yes. their experience with giving birth when you were younger, even like in your, your early twenties, did you mm-hmm. ever see yourself as a mother? Was, was kids a part of the plan or was it something that you hadn't thought about? Oh my goodness. One thing that I've always known, and even before thinking about marriage, and it's interesting the way that it happened because our son arrived before we got married, I've always seen myself as a mother. Mm. Always. I was the the kid who had like two liter bottles of soda like wrapped in blankets and carrying it around, you know, like a baby. I've always babysat and, you know, asked my mom if her friend's children could come over and I could watch them. So that it's always been, it's always been in me. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I laughed because when we were at Hampton, we met, I, talk to him about wanting to make baby food and, you know, wanting the, like the kind of mom that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so to answer your question, yes, motherhood has always um, been on my radar. Mm. And I, I feel very blessed and very privileged to have been bestowed the honor two times. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's, it's a crazy journey. There's, yeah. you know, there are a lot of handbooks actually, but <laughs> until you experience it for yourself, it's just, you know, it, it's more than you can imagine. Absolutely. In so, good ways. You yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. Who would you say were the biggest influences for you growing up or was it your mother? Was it your grandmother, aunts, cousins, friends that kind of like inspired that maternal spirit within you? It was definitely one of the first people um, that comes to mind is is my grandmother. Mm. Um, and then, of course, my mom, two absolutely dynamic women in their own regards with their own messages, you know, um, direct and indirect. Mm. Um, one of the things they, my, my grandmother, transitioned when um my son was just two he was almost three so this was back in 2017 um and i and watching her growing up because there were things that i paid attention to um that i didn't even know that i was you know keeping a a, a, a mental journal of or a mental record of uh, the way that she 
had the 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 patience and the grace, you know, with her family. She had five children, mm. and I couldn't even imagine, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but the the grace and the patience that that she showed to them, and I've only experienced them in adulthood, you know, from mm-hmm. childhood in my regard, but them as adults and watching my grandmother in her um, more seasoned age, you know be able to tend to her children um, individually five different ways and hold that space and, and the grace for them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then I also watched my mother, you know, come from a, a different generation who, you know, watched her parents who came from a different generation and how the dynamics were different and how my mother created her own path really. Mm-hmm. Um in parenthood for herself, what she took from uh, her childhood and being raised by her parents and being able to mold that into what she needed for herself and in raising me. And so it's giving me the permission to be probably according to to them, to my family, right? Radical in Mm. in some regards. It gives me the permission to do that even when it feels uncomfortable, even when the pushback is coming, even when the family is like, ah, are you, you know, mm-hmm. okay, that's their friend. So you guys aren't filling the blank. Yeah. Um, they give me the, watching them, having watched them gives me the confidence mm. um, to journey in motherhood in my own way. Mm-hmm. And so those are probably, and then I have a, a, I have three aunts as well. And so my mom is one of um, four girls. Mm. And so I have aunts who are mothers as well. And one who isn't, who's also served in, you know, the capacity um, of a mother. Aunts yeah. have that special gift. Yeah. I think it's a, it's really a blessing to be an aunt as well. And so I have a whole host of women in my mm. family who have given me tidbits and tools, whether they know it or not, Yeah. Um, for my own journey. Wow, that is beautiful. I love it how you say... Um, they kind of raised you to be able to know that you can define motherhood on your own terms because you know how sometimes it can be a judgy environment yes. that we're in and, and people, you know, oh, you breastfeeding and then there too, or, yeah. you know, whatever the yeah. case may be. But yeah. for you to be able to embrace, nah, I do what I want to do. This is, this is my clan. Yeah. I can run it how I want to and feel confident. Yeah. And it that. hasn't come without some of those things you know we i nursed both of my children uh to two years old Mm -hmm. and beyond and Mm -hmm. so that is um radical you know that's against unfortunately it's called radical but yes you're so right (laughs) yes yes unfortunately that's what it's called but you know I was that mom. And so, you know, eyebrows were raised mm-hmm. and, you know, questions were asked. And then when my daughter came, I had taken the cover off, you know, and I'm nursing <laughs> and I'm nursing in public, you know, yes. uncovered. I love it. And so <laughs> it was, it, it's been a journey, but I've always had the confidence, even if I didn't feel it outwardly at all times I had this confidence in knowing that I'm doing what's best for me I'm doing Mm. what's best for my children and it may feel or look a certain way you know to other people but I'm also showing my children you know 
what to expect in the, and the standard in the regard um, to hold themselves in mm. when it comes to making choices for themselves and for their families, should they yes. choose. Now, Amber, I feel like that is a gem. Like that is so important because like when you were saying you are modeling for your children, that's getting rid of like shame that can manifest mm-hmm. itself. Um, that's teaching like self-esteem, um, advocacy for yourself, um, not to be a care, not to care as much or put so much right. weight on other people's perceptions of you. If they have an issue with it, that's their issue. That's not your issue. You do what feels right, right. for you. Right. Bravo. Right. <laughs> and, and it's tough sometimes. Yeah. It is. It's tough sometimes. I won't sit here and say that going against the grain was was not in has not and is not mm-hmm. challenging mm-hmm. you know i always tell people you know the things that make my deodorant activate are <laughs> the things that i push myself to lean into mm-hmm. you know i'm like a, i'm like a temperature check <laughs> they're like okay girl you have to you know onward and upward push through it yes. and so those nursing moments there those nursing moments came up when, you know, my baby is squirming and ready to eat and we're out in public and I didn't wear the right top mm. to nurse in, but that doesn't matter. My baby is still hungry. What are we going to do? Yeah. You know, and I have a supportive husband. And the first time around, it was it was different for him, mm-hmm. you know, as well. But our daughter came around and I'll, I'll whip him out anywhere. <laughs> I will, you know, and I I dare you. I um bought um nursing blankets and uh, uh burp cloths from a brand called the little milk bar mm. and um their signature design has all of these different breasts on it different oh, shapes so different cute. sizes um and it's a white blanket and mm. all of the graphics of these boobs are in black and so oh. it's very bold and so throughout my nursing journey, the second time around, I felt so empowered mm. having this nursing blanket on because I'm like, this is exactly what's under this blanket, you know, yeah. boobs, here <laughs> we are. And it was just kind of, it was kind of like a try me without saying <laughs> anything. Yes, yeah. You know, we've all seen breasts before. Let's get over it. Right, and right. And so, um, just being able to be empowered in that way, pulling from like wonderful brands like that, pulling from the women in my life and just um, feeling supported, having community around me of other mothers who look like me mm-hmm. and feeling supported in those moments also, you know, helps the journey too. Ah, oh, awesome. Okay. So then what was the afterbirth experience like with you with Maxwell since you're a new mom you're at home you have a community you have support what was that experience like for you so and I want to be clear the 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 community that I felt um most supported by was the second time around Mm. so with Maxwell with this brand new experience my husband and I are and we were not married um at the time of Maxwell's birth so we are in Los Angeles our parents are not here Mm. our grandparents are not here um we do not have siblings that are in close proximity we it's it's literally the two of us yeah and 
you know, the resources for daycare, for babysitting are also not there. So it was the, the three of us um, in the trenches together. My postpartum um, postpartum was, well, in hindsight, it, it was it was fine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I can look back and say that I needed more support in areas I needed uh uh, more breaks I needed. There were a lot of things that I look back and say, ah, you know what? We've come so far. Um, we were still very blessed back then, um, but there were additional resources that I could have used during the the postpartum time. Um, and in the way of uh, lactation consultant, even though Maxwell nursed very well, lactation consultant um, consulting would have been beneficial. I'm a postpartum doula mm-hmm. to help me learn, um, you know, my menstrual cycle and what to expect. Yeah. Um, you know, how long should my period, you know, be gone until is it eight months? Is it 10 months? What is it? What should it be back in four months? Um, diet. So not so many things concerning the baby because he was fine, Mm -hmm. but more things that were focused and centered Mm -hmm. on me. Right. Right. And becoming a mother, I felt very instinctual for me. I can't speak for all women because we all have different experiences postpartum. It felt very instinctual to me, but I also needed the balance and uh, support and saying, you know, well, it's okay to take time for you. This doesn't mean this, this role is not uh, martyrdom. This yeah. is not what should be expected of you. Mm-hmm. You know, you are only able to take care of this child to the extent that you're able to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and those things lack the right. first time around and it was nobody's fault it's what many of us experienced yeah. and what many of us fall this is my baby I carried this baby um, I feed this baby with my body mm-hmm. I have to be there at all times I was that mom and I probably experienced and in hindsight I probably experienced a little bit of baby blues. Mm, mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I don't know that uh, full blown like um, postpartum depression yeah. was it for me, but yeah. I can look back and I can recall some times where I was just like, huh, yeah. you know, this is uh, my vitamin D was low. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the house. We're not getting enough. So I'm not getting enough sun. You know, I'm, in, I'm an entrepreneur, so I can get back to work. You know, yeah. I've got my laptop here. So there were, <clears throat> excuse me, all of these factors that played into like a lack of self-care okay. on my behalf. Because motherhood, you have to fully engulf yourself mm-hmm. in this, right? right? You have, I have to be the best mom. I have to nail this. And then I had other factors against me. I, I was unwed. You know, so then we have this stigma that's placed around Well, you need to be married before you have a child, Mm. family thing, all of those things that line up things um, that you place on yourself. Yeah, that we just don't hold enough space for ourselves in this moment and for what we're doing, for what our bodies are doing, for what our emotions are doing. So it was it was a learning lesson and it allowed me to hold more space for myself the second mm-hmm. time around. 
Gotcha. And so Max is, you know, the first child is always mm-hmm. the experience. You kind of just learn as you go. <laughs> yes. And so, and he's done a fantastic job. He's been my greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't speak for my husband. I think he would say something along the same lines, but they just pop in and it set things ablaze. Yeah. They so do. you get your stuff together. <laughs> Now, what were, okay, so then talking about with your daughter, was that a planned pregnancy or unexpected as well? Because they're she was unexpected <laughs> too. <laughs> she was unexpected too. And here's what, what my experience with both of my pregnancies were. And these are things that come with the education that we need Mm -hmm. surrounding our bodies and Mm -hmm. and how our bodies work. And, you know, just because we at 11, 12, 13, whatever that average age is that we are beginning our our menstrual cycles, we need more education on, you know, what we should expect. Why keeping up with the calendar is so important, not just so that you know what day it's coming, but what your mood is doing and what your body is doing. Right. And for both of my pregnancies, I thought that when I was experiencing implantation, I thought that I was having an actual cycle because uh, implantation can look like yeah, a period. Yeah. It, it, it looks very similar. Mm-hmm. And so my, my, um, both of my pregnancies ended up being off by a few weeks because here I am thinking that my cycle has started and my pregnancy has actually started. So Paxton came um, four weeks, what we thought was four weeks early. Mm. Girlfriend was right on time <laughs> when I went back and recalculated uh, my dates and the dates that I gave the doctors and still something I think that they should have caught Yeah, in, in that entire 10 months process yeah they should have said we but she was measuring and she was fine and all of these things so she was actually um from my own calculations was uh two days early from her due date um but she was born on march 30th she was according to the doctors due on may 2nd the day after my birthday um she was not planned but my both of my pregnancies were very very um similar Mm. um Labor and delivery were the only things that were different. She came a lot faster. Oh, okay. Than Maxwell. A, 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 I slept through my labor with her um, because I was in denial that I was in labor a month early. Ah. I didn't want to be um, one of those statistics in yeah. our community that we have preterm babies, that we have underweight babies. Yeah. and. I knew that my baby was healthy mm-hmm. and I knew that I was carrying her to term. I, I felt it. I was like, I cannot be pregnant for another month. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- this cannot be it. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like everything's getting ready to drop out. And lo mm-hmm. and behold, a couple of days later she comes like I know my body was telling me, I'm yeah. like, this feels like the end. This feels like this is it. And they're telling me I've got to go through April. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but I slept, my water broke with her. Um, I was in denial. So I went to sleep and, um, I went to sleep until about five, my water broke at nine thirty in the evening. Um, I went 
to the hospital at about 5.15. She was born 45 minutes later. So I slept through I slept through the, nice. the whole thing, just okay. in denial. It's probably one of the best <laughs> I, yeah, I I can, yeah. Um still stubborn. It, it showed the tourist in me. Just girl, how can you go to sleep? Your water broke. And you know what I did? I put a pad on. I put a pad on. I finished my spaghetti and my husband and I watched Martin until like three o'clock in the morning. I went to sleep. And at 5.15, I woke up to contractions. And he's like, well, do you want to go get in the shower? And I'm like, yeah, before we go to the hospital. And um, I turned over to get out of the bed. And I was having contractions. My whole back was wet. He was like, you can't take a shower. We have to go. And I was like, yeah, I think we have to go. And we get to the hospital. And they send me up to um, triage. And the nurse up there who was this wonderful, sweet-spirited black woman mm. who sent me to the bathroom for a urine sample, and it comes... Is this TMI? No. Can no. we talk about this? Yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> I just, she sends me to the bathroom. My sample comes back red, and I'm like, well, is this normal? She was like, well, sweetheart, you know what color your urine should be. She was like, it should not be red. And my husband goes... Well, her water um, broke last night at nine thirty. Like he told on me, like I, I felt like I got in trouble. And she and she put a pad on and went to bed. <laughs> to bed. He's like, let me fill you in on some details here. She's like, your water broke last night at nine thirty. She said, well, how far do you live from the hospital? I said, like like ten minutes. She said, and so what did you do after your water broke? I said, I went to sleep. And she's like. Let's get her in the room. <laughs> Please to get her together. And everybody starts moving around and they're getting bowls and towels and all of these things. And I'm looking at the time and I'm like, Maxwell took all day mm-hmm. to get here. Like, I'm in this for the long haul. Why are you all moving around me so quickly? Right. I am in active labor, getting ready to push. Okay. Wow. And I have no clue. My contractions are back to back and I'm still in denial. Because my baby's not supposed to be here yet. Mm. It's still March. And I think part of my denial got me through my my labor and mm-hmm. delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know it sounds good, baby, but mm. she arrived very quickly. They're, they're like, they put my legs up and they're like, you need to push. So our son was there. Oh. He saw the entire thing. Oh. You know, children are not supposed to yeah. be in the delivery room yeah. at the hospital. And he was there. He experienced the entire thing. And he still remembers it, oh, wow. you know, and and checks in. He walked past me and said, Mom, and this is after the baby is born. She's fine. He goes, he walks up to me very concerned. He gets very close to me. He says, Mom. Why do you have a hole in your vagina? Valid <laughs> <laughs> question, right? <laughs> and, he just, and, he, and he asked me like three more times throughout the day. He just came back to check up on me again. And he's four years old at this point. He had just turned four. And he's just very concerned about, you know, what just happened. But he seemed to have handled it very well. 
he was the one who, and that's probably like the most significant part of this story, is that our son told us that our daughter was on the way. Oh. He looked up, he, we were putting him in bed one night and he looked at me and said, um, he looked at us, he said, mom, you have a baby in your belly. And we're like, huh? And he said, you have a baby in your belly and it's a girl baby. Mm. And so the very next day, because we are too old to play, you know, these yeah, games yeah. that just wait, wait for, wait for her to show up. Um, I took a test the very next day and lo and behold, it was positive. Wow. And he was, he, and my, my grandmother, um, had transitioned, um, earlier in the year. So I think that it was just, it was my grandmother, you know, sending her, to to us mm. um it was a really really special special moment and so he was very sure of himself oh. throughout the pregnancy telling people i'm having a baby sister and we would ask him like maxwell are you excited you know to have a baby brother because we're just trying just trying to see where his mind is yeah. at. And he's like guys i told you <laughs> it's a girl baby <laughs> and 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 here she is wow and so that is that that is like the best part of it that he knew awesome yeah children are just so interesting like how they can spiritually be so connected and like know yeah. and, and be teachers and be wise but so young yes wow yes okay so yes. what did what type of things that you knowing what you knew from maxwell what yes. did you put into place after your second birth to kind of support you self-care you through that experience um with her some of the more whole i wanted to take some more holistic approaches um with recovery so we hired a postpartum doula mm. um i had my placenta encapsulated oh, nice. um and and also turned into a tincture so i could just mm -hmm. uh, be able to you know feed myself from the inside out um um, help my milk supply. Um, we, I also had her come, the postpartum doula. She came to check in on my well-being, you know, my mental health. She yeah. would come to the house and I don't know if I just needed her to grab me water or, you know, uh, put some food on a plate and heat it up for me. Just those kind of things, mm -hmm. you know, support from, um, from another woman, my, you, our husbands are, are supportive. My husband has been very supportive. Um, he still doesn't know what it's like to be a woman. Right. He doesn't know, you know, what it's like to experience what, you know, we could be going through mentally or what our bodies are going through. So it was nice to have the extra support there um, in addition to him. And again, our families are still not, close enough to be, you know, as helpful as, as we'd like. And that's just, it is what it is, but we were fortunate enough to be able to, um, add in some additional resources, um, to help with recovery that's and it. just to help with, you know, the overall process and being able to call on people and have more people, um, in a network yeah. to be able to, to pull on, to talk to and bounce ideas off of, am I losing my mind? Is this normal? Mm -hmm. Like, should I be feeling this way? Mm -hmm. You know, talk you 
you know, when you're when you get in your head too much and thinking that, I don't know, maybe you should be doing more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're already doing somebody to say, hey, sis, like you're doing enough. Yeah. You're, you're sustaining life with your body. Like, mm-hmm. how much more do you want to do? And so it was being able to really experience really our birthright and being able to bring children earthside and to have people feed into us and love on us and care for us mm-hmm. and, and give us space to just be and not have to be all of the things. Mm-hmm. Help with our other children. Because it's not meant for us to, even if you have a a spouse or you have a partner, you know, but I'm talking about community Mm -hmm. itself and having a a group of women that you can call on and be vulnerable with, Mm -hmm. you know, um, who look like you and and it's safe. And those were the things that I could see from the first time to the second time. I need these things. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can't... um, if I can't get it from what's already available, then I need to create it. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that is, that's what I learned from, from Maxwell to Paxton mm-hmm. is that sometimes you have, you can't complain about it. You can only complain about it so much. What are you going, what are you going to do? Right. And I think that that's so vital for black mothers. Like to not internalize it, to not uh, continue with the strong black woman myth. But although like your physical family may not be there to be able to create your own support system, rather that's through right. a doula or your community or your neighbors or new friends or coworkers, yes. and to be able to evaluate what it is that you need and feel the need as best that you can. And then to also talk about what it is that you're going through and not right. say, I don't have time. I got to keep moving. I got to get this stuff done. I got to take care of these kids and not give space for yourself to feel your feelings and validate yeah. them and talk about it with somebody. And that's so important. And and I also have to, and I don't want it to come off as, you know, in an arrogant manner. It's like, well, I just, I just create what I need mm-hmm. because it's not, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's from a place of privilege yeah. and I want to acknowledge that. And so, you know, it's, it's period. Yeah. It, it, and we have, and that's something that I always want to acknowledge. And especially in this particular journey is that first of all, the things that we deserve and the things that should, you know, uh, be a, a right for us or just a, a given becomes a privilege and yeah. it, and it shouldn't be yeah. the access to health care the access to doulas and midwives mm-hmm. the access to lactation consultants the access to mental health care mm-hmm. all of these things are not just a given yeah. for even most of us mm-hmm. and so i also recognize that in there and want to make sure that spaces are created so that um women who look like us and women who are underserved or, you know, like, you know, check it off the list mm-hmm. that they're able to have resources in, as well. And being able to share the things that are free, not everything that we don't uh, have access to costs money all mm-hmm. the time. We, it's just a lack of knowledge and the lack of being able to, you know, even find the resources. And so I want 
to create more of that in our community as well. Mm-hmm. And I saw it because it was it was a deficit for me the first time around. It was being new here, being, you know, an entrepreneur here. The circle and the spaces get smaller and smaller Mm -hmm. and smaller. And parenting, being a mother, carrying children Mm -hmm. is challenging. And it doesn't matter if we if women do it every day. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it any easier. And we deserve the resources and we deserve the support. Absolutely. Yes. Um. Then to switch over to your career, um, what I think is also another amazing thing about you is how stylish you are. And I feel like, um, and then I'm sure a lot of other mothers can identify with this with me, but I used to like love fashion throughout high school, college, in my 20s. But after I had my first Ezra, it was just like about comfort. What can I breastfeed in? Um, I'm not really going out nowhere. We live in a place where our support is limited. So I'm usually in the house with a t-shirt and some leggings on Mm -hmm. and I was tired. My body changed. And then after I had my second last year, um, when I was pregnant, I was like, yeah, so, um, maybe like six months from now, I'm going to go to Miami. I'm going to really get, you know, own myself back. And then the pandemic happened and I was stuck in the house and I had nowhere to go, but wanting to yes. like embrace our our sexiness or, or how we look yes. or um our bodies and being able to dress our new bodies whatever it looks mm-hmm. like um how were you able to do that or what tips can you give mothers in being able to get back in touch with that that was first of all such an amazing um point to touch on because it can it, it's a as a stylist you know it can seem like um in some regards when we talk about fashion and, and motherhood or and things like that it can seem superficial mm-hmm. in some ways when you're talking about it from or talking to a a, a, a stop no I'm not going to say that let me back up for myself and in my own experience with my um, pregnant body and my postpartum body and my personal experience and stepping away from being a stylist for a moment, a lot of what a lot of women experience after having a child is they're left with this body that mm-hmm. is, you know, a little larger than what they started mm-hmm. with. Clothes don't fit. Your breasts, you know, are larger. Things aren't fitting around the waist the way that you want them to. And that's the general thing that you hear from women. My clothes don't fit. I, mm-hmm. I need to lose this weight. Well, in my experience and with both of my pregnancies, I lost more weight. I, I After maybe three or four months, I surpassed my, pre- my pre-pregnancy weight. So I lost weight and my clothes didn't fit on the other end Mm. of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So my narrative wasn't, oh, my goodness, you know, I can't butt in my pants or I can't close my tops. Everything was too big Mm. for me. Mm -hmm. So as a stylist and then as a new mom, for me and and in my own head, I felt it felt very superficial for me to talk about this problem that I had 
Like, because I had so many people say, oh, my God, look at you. You look great. You lost mm. all your baby weight. Look at you. Snap back. All of this. And my confidence was shot because all of my jeans were loose in the butt or loose in the crotch. And, they, and my thighs didn't fill my pants out. And so here I am. I've, I, I've got a good problem, right? Yeah. But now with my confidence, is, I feel the same way that a, another woman feels who can't get into her jeans. Yeah. What's the difference? Yeah. And I had to be able to come out of my shell in that and then realize that I'm not the only woman who experiences this. But I can also address this for women across the spectrum because all of our confidence needs to be built up, whether you're a mom who lost all of your pregnancy weight and can't get into anything because it's too big or you're at the other end and you, you, your goal is to work down to get, you know, back to a, a, a previous size. Um, I came up with a lot more uh, the second time around. Right. So mm-hmm. my, my daughter, the second pregnancy has given me a chance to dive into things and be um, more transparent and then also be, um, more solution oriented. How can we start a conversation about what women are experiencing across the board? Mm. Um, and what I did, and this is 2021. So in 2019, um, I partnered with um, a brand called Hatch. Mm. And Hatch is a maternity brand. They were originally they're originally based out of New York. Mm-hmm. And I did some um, um, meetups where. Um, we had like a, uh, like a little meetup and a breakout session about what we can do to style our bodies throughout our pregnancy and how we can take particular things, even from the beginning, how we can use certain items that we have, um, and consider them as potential maternity pieces or how we can buy, um, things that can transition us through our pregnancies, um, and into postpartum Mm. so that if, you know, maybe finances are, you know, um, a matter and you can't go out and buy a new wardrobe because maternity clothes are very expensive. This is true. And for you to only be wearing them for less than a year. Yeah. And so my hack or my trick as a stylist was to find things that um, that I could nurse in. I knew that this was going to be a part of my journey um, for at least two years and my wardrobe was going to have to reflect it. So what I did um, for nursing was layering. I did a lot of layering. So I, of course, had on a nursing bra and under my on top of my nursing bra, I would put a tank top mm. on like a, a spaghetti strap tank yeah. top, mm-hmm. something that I could pull down um, over that bra. Mm-hmm. And then if I had on something like this, like a sweatshirt, I know that the listeners can't see it. But right now I and actually. My outfit is layered right now. So I have a bra on, I have a tank top, a spaghetti strap tank top on, and I have a sweatshirt on on top. So what I can do is I can pull my sweatshirt up and I can pull my tank top down. Mm-hmm. And it gives me, um, still gives me mm. basically full coverage. Yeah. And I can get out what I need to feed baby and not have to you know, take my clothes off or have any more of myself exposed. And so just giving, providing um, 
small tips that we may not necessarily think of to make our nursing journeys easier or, you know, and maternity clothes have come a long way, Mm -hmm. right? They have, they have, from what they used to look like. They were very matronly, I felt like. (laughs) My goodness, please don't tie a bow behind me. I just can't, I just cannot. But um, and then creating spaces where we can have um, demos and tutorials on um, ways to style our, our growing bumps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had an opportunity to do that with Hatch and bring mm. um, nursing moms out, bring um, expecting moms out, bring, uh, you know, moms out who are, may not even be nursing, but still, you know, postpartum and their body is changed and whatever the case is, you know, fill in the blank. We have mm-hmm. a multitude of you know, makeups happening. And so I just wanted to make sure that I created a space to be able to visually show women um, how they can, how they can dress themselves, Mm. um, you know, for their particular lifestyle. All of us do something different. So if you have a more of a state and all of us, many of us are stay at home now, but you know, before, um, before things change for us, are you working from home? Are you working from the office? Are you sometimes at home and sometimes in the office or are you trying to cultivate your weekend style and letting reassuring women that none of this is superficial. None of it is, you know, just here we are playing in clothes and you're just trying to buy clothes. When you feel good about what you put on your body as well, yeah. it helps you feel good about yourself inside. So, so it all works together. Yes. And that was the thing that I had to remind myself of, even as a, even as a stylist, even mm-hmm. as somebody who believes that I have, you know, great confidence in the way that I put myself together and very confident in what I paired together, I still had a moment where my confidence plummeted. Mm. And I knew that I needed to gradually make changes. So in that season, um, you know, in early entrepreneurship where the finances, finances were funny, Mm -hmm. I created um, a a Poshmark closet. Ah, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Poshmark, Uh Um, but I, I created a Poshmark closet and I started selling my clothes, um, our son's clothes, my husband's clothes. And I was able to, from that residual income, I was able to buy myself new pieces mm, um, for my wardrobe and build it up that way. Yeah. So I used the resources that I had around me because the shopping spree wasn't, you know, right. uh, feasible at the moment. But I could piece together things and rework my wardrobe as I'm selling things, making money, you know, on the side. So that's what I did. That's a great idea. What would be um, three staple pieces that you think a woman can have that can be like a go-to for her to have in her wardrobe? Is this for a, a we're talking about women overall, are we talking about a postpartum mom? Postpartum mom. A postpartum mom. Um, uh, spaghetti strap tank top mm-hmm. um, for nursing. I would definitely say um, a high waisted pants. Mm-hmm. Um, and always like a great outerwear piece. So something like a, a cardigan that you love with a print on it. I'm, I'm partial, you know, to leopard. I feel like it's a neutral <laughs> at this point, but something with um, a great um, 
print on it that makes you feel good. Yeah. So if it's a, a polka dot, if it's a, you know, if it's a floral print, if it's a, an animal print, just something that's, that's vibrant. Okay. Awesome. I love that. I love it. Okay. My last question um, is moms in color. Um, yes. Are you guys still, I know the pandemic threw a lot of like in-person yes. events and all of that off for like everybody. Um, but are yes. you guys still active? Are you still doing events and things with it or virtual? Yeah. So moms in color is still active. The last event that um, occurred to my knowledge, it was last year. So during the pandemic, there was a virtual conference and that I don't, I'm not certain what is to come of this year. Moms in color, um, as of 20, I, I keep getting my years mixed up as of 2019. Um, I'm no longer with moms oh, in color. And so, but their Moms in Color is still active. Okay. It's still, the community is still growing. Um, and they're still bringing wonderful offerings. And apologize there, someone is in the, can you hear the background mm -mm. noise? Okay, perfect. Um, our, you know, the community is growing. They're still providing awesome, awesome resources um, for moms, um, you know, who look like us. And, and so I definitely believe that through this pivot, there is going to be more to come from moms right. in color. Um, to speak on it more, and I didn't get, I didn't mention it earlier in our conversation, back in 2018, 2018 was um, the first conference mm -hmm. that was held um, in downtown Los Angeles. And when I was speaking earlier about um, creating the community mm -hmm. that is needed for us, that's exactly where moms in color came from mm. and so one of the things that was occurring as a new mom in Los Angeles is I was trying to you know find places and find resources for myself mm -hmm. um, I was being invited into a lot of spaces where I felt like I was the diversity mm. um, I felt like I was the unicorn in the room and it was kind of like an all eyes on you situation and also going into spaces where um, where I stood out, it didn't feel as safe to be vulnerable mm. and speak about the things that I know a lot of moms experience, right? right. So we experience, um, you know, being overworked or maybe being fatigued. We experience, you know, making mistakes, everyday mistakes in parenting. And in those spaces, sometimes it, could feel like maybe your ability to parent is is questioned. Like, oh, is this too? Oh, maybe this is too much for you. And we all we have um, stigmas in our community, and we have these these walls up in our community because of our history, right? right? So we don't have as many safe spaces. We don't trust as much, and yeah. we see why because our healthcare, the healthcare that we receive reflects that and yeah. the way that our children and the way that we're treated in general reflects a lot of that. And so I wanted to be able to have a space where I wasn't the diversity in the room, where my hair wasn't center stage because, oh my God, every woman in here 
has yeah. unique hair, has beautiful hair, has bomb hair yeah. that, you know, you say, hey, girl, I see you mm-hmm. and we can keep it moving. Right. Um, I wasn't going into spaces like that. And I knew that coming into, you know, motherhood the second time around that I needed something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where Moms in Color was born. Mm. And the first conference that was held was um, on March 2nd of 2018. Um, that was my son's fourth birthday. Mm. And it was exactly four weeks before I gave birth to my daughter. And so it was like a it was like a, it was almost like a, a like a rite of passage. It felt like giving birth then, and the project, the the event came together in such a short amount of time. I worked with um, four other wonderful women who have their own platforms, um, and you know who serve the motherhood community in their own regards in excellent, excellent ways. Mm-hmm. And we were able to come together and bring this event. Maybe 120, 130 women came to the event um, where there were lactation consultants and doulas and black nanny services and people who were selling their products and people who were selling their food and their teas. And it was just such a wonderful um, show of community Mm -hmm. and to watch these women come together um, in the rain, mm. you know, rain in LA yeah. is just, it, it's, it's a nightmare. Mm. It's, you know, it's like it never rains here. And so it's chaos mm. when it, <laughs> when it does happen <laughs> and people showed up, mm. these women showed up with their babies. They showed up with their babies strapped to their chest and strollers. And we continue to bring these events to women and create these spaces, um, so that we could be vulnerable, so that we can ask questions, so that we could share our not so glamorous sides of motherhood and not be judged, um, to find resources for ourselves. And so it was executed beautifully. Oh. And I and I look forward to what's to come mm-hmm. next from Moms in Color because our community needs it. Yeah. And we need it yes yes that is that's (laughs) awesome that's beautiful and you're right it's so needed and it's 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 wonderful to see when we create the space who shows up um being able to make it something that's accessible people will take advantage of it because it's so needed and i know that that that's a beautiful thing um thank you so much amber for being on i I just enjoyed our conversation i'm gonna put all of your information your website your social media in the show notes but thank you thank you thank you i'm so grateful no problem thank you for having me